This is Within and Between, a podcast about the methods and meta-science behind developmental science. Hi, welcome back. This is Jessica Logan. And this is Sarah Hart. And together we are within and between. Uh, today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about uh, starting or managing an online professional presence as an academic. Yes. And uh, because it is a truth universally acknowledged that an academic, particularly one in want of a job, is in want of a social media presence, or at least an online uh-huh. presence, so that one can be found when uh, people are looking for collaborators and people are looking to maybe hire you or get you to review for things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to Google and find you pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. Have you have you Googled yourself lately, Sarah? I, I mean, Dr. Hart? I have not Googled myself recently. Yeah, I was just wondering if you have checked to che- see if oh, that is true. Did you hear the hesitance in my voice? Because I was like, yes. did you Google me before this? <laughs> and are you about to like drop a bombshell on me about what you found? Have you Googled yourself recently? Because let me tell yeah. you what I found. <laughs> Everyone, open up the internet. Let's see what we see. <laughs> no, uh... I have not done that, actually. That is not not a thing I have done. I think you find... What's interesting, too, is I think you find, like, my own personal website and Twitter, and I think you find those maybe potentially before even my, like, official work website, you know, like, finding mm-hmm. my name on our official website. So I think that kind of shows the importance of, uh, you know, having your own, you know, website or, or name out there. Absolutely. And I think, well... Yeah, I think when you Google me, for some reason, it ends up uh, like one of the centers I'm affiliated with that I like go to events once or twice a year with, but they have my name as like an affiliate. But for some reason, when you Google me, that's what comes up. I just Googled myself because now I needed to know. And I was incorrect. Mm. My official, oh, you know what? Yeah. My official, you know, FSU psych website comes up first and then... As it turns out, there is a Sarah E. Hart, Sarah and Hart spelled my way, who is a professor of nursing. Oh, somewhere. You, uh, but Utah. not at Florida State. No, Utah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I know that there there is another Jessica Logan who does a lot of psychology work. He she worked with uh, uh, Rodiger back in and but when I, I used to be really involved in the association for psychological science mm. when it was called the american psychological society like back pre-name change anyway i met her at some sort of one of those conferences and so she's still out there we're we're running similar paths oh. but very with different people there is a sarah spelt my no i think with an h and hearts with a z at the end and uh, she gets a lot of NIH funding in a very similar research area to me. And I get her emails really? occasionally. Yeah, she does like behavioral genetics and genetics, molecular genetics work on like human behavior. And uh, yeah, I get emails for her occasionally. Whoa. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. And like if you go to like, um, uh, you know, like go up to like the grant lookup for NIH, the. Uh, NIH reporter. Wow, brain stopped there for a second. And you like, mm, if mm-hmm. you search for my name as a PI, then my grants come up and her grants come up because my name is a shorter version of her name. And so the like, oh yeah, the, the you're search. like a subset. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so. So funny. I feel like I need to meet her one day. I haven't met her yet, but hi, Sarah, if you're out there, Sarah Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, fun. Yeah. So yeah, well, one of the reasons we're talking about this today is we each separately have been asked in the last couple of weeks to uh, to talk with people about being online and sort of managing and maintaining or making up or starting some sort of online presence and 
asking like, should I have a Twitter account? Should I sign up for these things? Mm -hmm. Should I try to use this for work? And uh, so we thought this would be a good place to talk about the different advice we're giving people yeah. since that's really the high concept of this podcast sort of generally is when more than one person asks, let's talk about it, make a podcast. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I joked actually just this week. So I gave the, you know, I, I had a talk on Friday about this and I joked afterwards, somebody was saying that they enjoyed it. And I'm like, you know, this talk that I give on like how to use Twitter as an academic professional I, I give mm -hmm. this talk more often than research talks. So <laughs> I think <laughs> I, I just, you know, I I think uh, I am more interesting for people to talk about Twitter than I am my research area. <laughs> you know, maybe we should spin this. Maybe there's some sort of meta science work we can do around how scientists use Twitter. Yeah. Well, you can just search the, right? Because Twitter, the, the database is open. It's an open access. The database is open. Yeah. Oh, so I don't actually hate this idea. Yeah. So you can do like text mining and stuff on it. Let me just get it real quick. Let's write this down. It's <laughs> so the problem when we get together, Jess. You and I come up with new research ideas. I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, then let's uh, let's start there. Let's start with social media, yeah. since um, we sort of have three basic ideas to talk about or basic genres of online presence to talk about. And we'll start with social media, since that's certainly the one I use the most. Me too. Um, right now, maybe in an unhealthy amount. I don't know what you're talking given. about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the phone's coming out with that screen time report is... <sighs> It's really scary. scary. <laughs> I just before we got on, actually, I'll have to link to it. There's I someone in our community uh, just tweeted that she like retweeted, you know, what what is uh, academics? What is your pastime? And she's like, so you mean moving from my office scrolling Twitter to my chair near my window scrolling Twitter? <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> and by office, you mean roll my chair yeah. from one desk to the other <laughs> yeah uh -huh. so yes I, when I give my talk about Twitter using Twitter um, I definitely say I think it's uh, I most of my talk actually is just slide after slide of talking about the benefits I've gotten from being on academic Twitter uh, or mm -hmm. science Twitter and um, and but then also saying, so I get all these benefits and I think it's worthwhile and I think it's been worthwhile for my career. Uh, and, but I, you do have to give it time. And so there is, a, you know, to do, especially Twitter, right, how fast it moves, you mm -hmm. do sort of have to give it time. And so you're right, it's a trade-off. It was such a trade-off that I quit Facebook because I was like, I can't keep up multiple social media accounts um, yeah. And I was receiving a lot of professional benefits from Twitter and um, just the cesspool that is Facebook for me back in the day. I was like, mm. Mm, I wasn't getting as much um, from it. But interesting. Yeah. So, I, so I'm in a similar boat there because I really let's talk a little bit about which platforms we yeah, use. Yeah, I was going to say let's, let's let's move it back a little bit. I I got in deep real fast there. Yeah. Yeah. So I am for. <laughs> I am uh, on Twitter. I call my 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 how I am on Twitter is like life of a scientist. That's how I think of my my who, oh, who I, I am. Like that. Um, mm -hmm. So it's in part like a you know a general personal social media account, and in part a professional social media account. Uh, and so that's I'm mostly on Twitter that way. And then I do have an Instagram account, but that I very casually use. It's mostly to follow local restaurants to see what their menus are that day. Yeah. <laughs> and some some designers now because I'm like all into redesigning my house right now, thanks to Netflix, <laughs> watching too many design shows. Um, and so that's pretty much the only reason why I use Instagram. I don't, I post like maybe once a year. Um, I just look mm -hmm. at other people's content unrelated to work. So that's what I use. How about you, Jess? Yeah, I use my Twitter account very much the same way. Um, and then I, I, I do technically have a Facebook account, but I haven't checked it in a couple years. 
every once in a while I get on there because my kid's school is through they have a big active Facebook group. So if there's like an event at school and I don't remember what time it starts, that's the most reliable way to find okay. out. Is <laughs> it their social, their Facebook page? Um, and then I also have an Instagram account, but it's all par- it's all personal. Okay. There's no there's no work happening on my Instagram account um, at all. Mm-hmm. It's just picked ways of my for my kids to stay in touch with, for my like pictures of my kids to get out to family members. Mm-hmm. But I uh, I do also use TikTok, which is very fun. Uh, I have a lot. I really love watching stats TikTok. They're very fun <laughs> to oh, watch. Fun. So I have some of those uh, that I that I'm enjoying watching. And then um, what's the other one? Oh, for a long time I kept uh, like I I kept a Tumblr blog for work. Oh yeah. So I had a Tumblr blog, which is where I kept, like, if I gave a presentation, I posted the slides to the my Tumblr blog so that people could follow along there um, and download all the materials for workshops from there. So I, I kept that for a long time. I don't use that nearly as often anymore. Okay. Um, but I, I do, I used to. That was that, most of that stuff sort of transferred over to, to Twitter and the more, and then over to my own website, mm-hmm. which is later. So yeah, Twitter's the one I use most for work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have seen people who use Instagram very successfully for work in a really in, uh, impressive way. We can maybe link you to a couple people that we... Yeah, that do some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. you're right. But I, my medium is more like written text, not pictures as much. And boy, when I mm-hmm. see people who do it well or videos, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's amazing. So how did you get on to the socials like where how did twitter start for you it started about 10 and a half years ago uh when i was moving from ohio state to here to tallahassee um Uh to start my job and i um somebody that i worked with at ohio state you know mentioned that she was on twitter and that she really liked it and at that time you know people i would say only in the last few years that people even thought that twitter was something useful um, but you know, mm-hmm. people just had all these negative impressions of what Twitter was. And that's what I thought as well. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, it's actually a great way to meet people. And so she recommended that I join Twitter and start following local people in Tallahassee. And that's what I did. Uh, and so for about a year, I just listened and, uh, and like read, you know, what people were doing here in Tallahassee. Uh, and then I started to carve out a niche on Twitter and started talking more to local people. And I started a food blog at the time. And so oh, yeah, I remember your food yeah, blog. So then I <sighs> used Twitter to talk with restaurants and local food scene people and local people. So I did that for a couple of years. And then there was this overlap with my um, a good girlfriend of mine here in town. She was local Twitter, but also uh, on science Twitter and I didn't know, even though I had been on Twitter for a couple of years, I didn't realize that Twitter could really, you could be in your one corner of Twitter and you literally have no idea that all these other Twitters exist. Yeah. And, you know, there's all these people having conversations that you've never seen before, right? Because people don't realize that Twitter is not just this like hose of all of these tweets coming at you. You have to pick to follow people and then you Mm -hmm. only see what they tweet and so when you follow people in a certain niche, like me, only people that live in Tallahassee, I only saw that area and I had totally didn't see any of science Twitter happening. And so mm. when a local girlfriend who was on science Twitter was like, you should check out science Twitter, that changed my whole life. And I moved away from local Twitter. I still follow them, but now I, um, and I started following science Twitter and changing mm-hmm. my follower who I followed and then moved over. So I've been on science Twitter probably for maybe around eight years. That's, yeah, interesting. And that's where I still am now. I will say in the last year or so, it's been really cool. I would start saying, I'm saying now it's less science Twitter that I follow. And I've actually been kind of unfollowing some science Twitter people in more developmental science and educational science Twitter because so many people have started to join recently. Oh, it's so yeah, great, isn't in it? In our subfield in, or develop, in developmental science. And so now you can actually be just in that area and have enough people to follow and enough interaction and just in developmental science. I completely agree with you. Uh, my, my transition was actually the, sort of not quite the opposite, but like I 
my I think I've been on since 2007. Okay. So it started really early and then was just the people who I knew and was friends with. And many of them were scientists. So we would talk about work and then also about just like, what are you doing on Tuesday? And then slowly that expanded from basically a glorified AIM away messages <laughs> to like to like actually being real in-depth conversations. Um, so I, I didn't make any active shifts other than when I moved to Ohio, I started following some local Ohio like people so that I'd have some idea of what was happening in around town. But like, yeah, it's my mine have always been very intermingled and overlapped. And um, I love it. So I people I, I agree with you, people have a hard time. I think it's it's functions differently than any other platform does. And so it's you sort of have to learn the language of it and learn the vocal gate of it and learn how to communicate on it, um, which isn't always easy to first pick up. It takes a little bit of time. Like you said, you watched for a whole year before you started participating in the conversation. Yeah, I usually do in my like talk that I give, rec- yeah, I do recommend to people that you don't have to get out there if you feel confident, but there is a culture to Twitter. There is a language to Twitter. Um, and it's mm-hmm. usually helpful to, to listen a little bit, to hear and to see the culture happen. So I think you yeah, get them, you get the most out of it, I think, that way. Um, I have seen um, some colleagues join or uh, people that I know join and uh, I don't think un- participate in the culture of Twitter properly. So they do things like, well, I have my, you know, this is my time of the day. I have a post that I've pre-written. I'm going to go on to Twitter. I'm going to post my tweet and then they log out of Twitter. And, right. you know, that's kind of forgetting that it really is a social, social media and, you know, you'll ne- you you won't get much back from Twitter if that's the only way that you use it, that you don't interact Absolutely. with other people's tweets. You don't respond to people's responses to your tweets. Not that you have to respond all the time, but, you know, that, you know, usually there's some kind of interaction and you interact with other people's material. And a lot of it happens so quickly that you kind of do, you know, logging on once a day is not going to make Twitter probably work for you. I agree. Well, I agree to some extent. I also think that it's it's possible to do that once a day if you give it some time. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's a good point. You're right. Thank you for It's not like that. log in, post, walk away. Yes. But if you log in and sit on there for half an hour or an hour and then respond that's to other all people you do. Who yeah, then it will work for you. I agree. Mm-hmm. So I started explaining it to friends who are Twitter curious. Mm-hmm. As, as like, yeah, I know. As like, it's kind of like the... It's the difference between a bulletin board and the water cooler at work. Oh, interesting. So Twitter is the water cooler. You don't use it like a bulletin board. So your your goal is you, you're going to show up. Hopefully, you know, you're going to go in between classes when everybody's going to be there. So you have people to talk to. So it's a conversation, not a – it's not like a, a blog. They called it microblogging at first, and I don't think they call it that anymore because it's not – it's much more just – talking with people all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the coolest things about it is that ability to like talk to anybody about anything. Yes. I, you know, I love what it's doing to, I love academic Twitter because it, it is flattening mm-hmm. the like strict hierarchy that exists in normal yes. academia. And that just doesn't exist on Twitter. Right. Um, you might get more followers to start with if you're famous or like a full professor yeah. in your field. You might get more followers to start with, but uh, I people listening to you doesn't. I, I've seen people listen to you know famous professors the same way they've listened to you know uh, somebody who normally is much lower in the hierarchy of academia. Yeah, like an early graduate student. Yes, even. and you can easily talk to anybody on Twitter. That's the point of it. You know, it's hard if you're at a conference as a graduate student to go up and talk to somebody who you've read their work and you had a question or you want to talk about their work or something, or you want to tell them about your work. That's hard to do. But on Twitter... It's hard to do for lots of reasons. I mean, for one thing, you get once a year, maybe you get to see them if they show up, if they're free, and if you can like spot them in a crowd. Yes. And then get to them. Or know someone who knows what they look like. It's totally different. Yeah. 
I love the ability that I just was telling one of my graduate students, he's working with a, a program that was written in R and he was really struggling with how to read in some data or it's like a particular thing. And I said, find them on Twitter. And in 10 minutes, he had an answer. And I was like, that, that is what is brilliant about this. That is like the, the, the communication lines that it opens up. Are oh, the information sharing too. People usually that are on Twitter are, are much more likely to share things. Like there's a culture of sharing. There's a culture of not, you know, recreating the wheel, which I, you know, I love efficiency. I hate redoing things that have already been done. And so I, you know, every time I go on there and ask, like, has anybody, even the first time I wrote this, like how to use Twitter as an academic talk i went on a twitter and said has anybody given a similar talk do you have any resources you can share with me slides that i can start with and i like immediately you know within minutes had like three or four people that had shared slides with me that i you know was like oh i can kind of see the flow of how you've given a similar talk you know so cool people share grant proposals on twitter you know it totally opens up the people you can interact with uh breaks off breaks the terrible hierarchy that exists in academia and Mm -hmm. opens up networks for people who don't necessarily have those networks themselves. You know, Mm -hmm. so much of academia is like who you know and if you know this information. And sometimes you don't even know that you don't know this information. And it's just like democratizes information, knowledge, access to people all on Twitter. Okay, so we clearly love Twitter. Yeah, I got a, I got a little <laughs> intense there. I got pretty excited. I, if you didn't see me, but I was using both hands to gesture wildly. Both hands. <laughs> so, okay, let's say somebody. We haven't even, by the way, we've barely scratched the surface. That's like maybe two of my like 10 point list of the benefits I think you could get from Twitter. But, you know, maybe we've convinced people and we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about benefits. But like maybe let's talk a little bit about how you get started on Twitter. Like what to do if we've convinced sure. listeners to get started on Twitter. Um, and, I think you know, the... Go ahead. You we, we said a couple of things, which is make an account and then yes. you, you want to dedicate a little bit of time to it. You're sort of like gardening. Um, and then I think the other the other thing to do is start talking to people. Like listen a little bit, figure out what's going on, and then um, you can post about your own things. You can interact and interacting with people. So it's it's hard because you don't know necessarily who to find and who to follow. And um, so I think one of the first things that I have suggested to people is if you're working in a field go find those scholars who you're citing and see if they have academic Twitter accounts. Yeah. Which is kind of fun. And then look to see who they're following and who their followers are. Another Mm -hmm. suggestion that I make to people is the um, not used as often feature, but still used feature of lists, right? So lists um, are, uh, like on my account, I've been tagged into, lists are ways that people create these Oh gosh, lists. Um, like groups of people. Yeah, groups of people. Yeah. Thank you for not having me use the word list in my definition <laughs> of lists. Um, but it's like the people have curated these groups of people on topics or themes. And so you can mm-hmm. go and find, you know, uh, developmental science lists. And whereas people have, have put handles of everybody who talks about or is in the field of developmental science. And so mm-hmm. like if you were to go to my account, you can go and look on my profile page and you'll see a tab that says lists. And if you click on that, you'll see that I have been added to lists that are child development, uh, child development groups. I'm looking at the list right now. So you'll be able to mm-hmm. then you could click on that list and see everybody who that who has been curated into these child development lists. So that's another way to start following people because Twitter mm-hmm. is empty until you start following people. So you're going to sign up for your account. By the way, you should put a real picture in. If you're using it for academic professional Twitter, I think you should put a headshot of yourself, like a a picture of your face on Twitter Mm -hmm. and then a bio. And I would recommend writing a bio that kind of reflects how you think you're going to be using Twitter and you can change it at any Mm -hmm. time. But um, it gives the people, somebody that's looking at your profile to think about following you an idea of who you are. So like, for example, if anybody follows me and I look at their bio and I see that they do anything to do with any of my research areas, and if they're a student especially, I follow them back. 
But if they mm-hmm. um, are maybe outside of my research area and are not a student, I don't necessarily follow them back. But if they are a student, I usually always follow because I like to hear um, students' voices across all areas. So, you know, put it in your, you know, do a, a, a Twitter, um, a bio that kind of gives some idea of who you are and how you're going to be using Twitter. Uh-huh. You know, if you're an academic mama, some people put that on their bio, uh, you know, because they're going to, that that is something that they want to kind of tweet about and talk about. Um, there's lots of different things you can put on your bio. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> That's your bio. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, go ahead. So we talked a little bit about interacting. And so my, the the water cooler analogy, I think, works, works pretty well mm-hmm. for 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 how this works is it's it's always a discussion so you want to show up and while you can say you can post a bulletin board something on a bulletin board but it's not going to get any interaction unless you're there to answer people's questions about it um if they if they have them or if they're like oh i actually do something similar and then you can interact with people around it so that's that's kind of the key i think to Mm -hmm. to cultivating a a nice, happy Twitter space. Yeah, that's, I always tell people, I think the key to Twitter is finding your community. Mm. And so when I talk to people who quickly started Twitter, but like weren't interested or didn't continue with it, I really think that they haven't found their community. They haven't followed the right people that are what they were looking for from Twitter. Remember, if you know, Twitter is only the people you follow. And so... The people who follow you back help with the conversations. Those are the people who are going to be talking to you. But really, the, what you're reading are people that you're following. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you can be purposeful about who you follow and make a community that works for you. You know, mm. and um, I also recommend uh, using the mute button uh, very liberally. Uh, you can mute words. I love to mute words. That means that you'll never see tweets <laughs> with those words in them. Uh, you know, for example, particular names, names, maybe? yes, of maybe a president or something like that, that you <laughs> don't, don't feel like having that negativity in your space. Yeah. You can absolutely do you that. You can mute profiles, you can mute uh, people and you can mute words. And so that can help keep your Twitter experience. If you're doing it for, you know, academic or science, Twitter, or education, Twitter, whatever your Twitter community is then, you know, you can keep out that other stuff by using the mute button. So, yeah, we sort of transitioned here into from like not having enough information to like what happens when you're getting too much information. Yeah. (laughs) So I think (laughs) we did maybe. And just to throw in there, there's there's a couple of other features you can use that I think are really useful. Like you can uh, if there's people who are mean. Yes. You can block them and they can't see anything you say and nothing that they say will you ever see which is which can be useful if you end up in a situation like that um i've been very lucky that we we really i haven't had many experiences with trolly trolls no i've actually been quite lucky too for as long as i've been on there and then occasionally talking Mm -hmm. about genetics and things like that i'm quite lucky that i haven't Mm-hmm. Um, had that problem but yeah the, remember that the culture of Twitter is, is different than if you're like coming from Facebook where the culture of Facebook is like you you follow each other back and it's weird to unfollow it's weird to block like there's a lot of like social reasons why people don't do that the culture is not really the same on Twitter about that it's fairly normal there's no real expectation that somebody would follow you back if you follow them there's no real expectation you know we talked about how it's social but, you know, if somebody mm-hmm. writes something on one of your tweets that you don't want to engage with, just don't engage with it. I just don't even respond to it. And that's also mm-hmm. normal. You know, um, you just you you can choose how you interact with people. And that is more normal on Twitter than I think in other social medias where there's a little totally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're definitely fans. I think we've already spent enough this entire episode we're only talking about yeah so should we move on to some other social medias and some of our other ideas maybe we should maybe i mean we i think we talked pretty clearly about the benefits you and i each have collaborations that we've made because of things that have happened on twitter um i have a paper that i'm writing because of things that have happened uh, interactions with people on twitter Uh, you know there's just we've been to conferences because of uh because of things we found out about on twitter so i think there's just lots of uh cool cool opportunities that that we have at least 
scene. Yeah, you know, if job postdoc jobs are being posted out there, tenure oh, track jobs are yes. being posted out there. People have invited me to give talks because of my Twitter profile. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it, there are so mu- many benefits that are happening now because it's just like it's building up your community, right? The who you know, you're networking. You can network on Twitter and all of the good mm-hmm. things that come from networking. So you can network on Twitter even if you're an introvert. I think a lot of introverts really do like it because it is a mm-hmm. way that introverts can use it. And as an extrovert, I like to use it. <laughs> And I don't drain all the introverts on Twitter the same way that I sometimes do in person because I'm like, give me all your energy, <laughs> introverts. Give it all to me. <laughs> so true. Oh, my gosh. It's so true. I think that's part of what's so nice about not having to respond. Like, you don't always have to respond back mm-hmm. and people can and don't have to. Uh, I think that makes that makes it a lot easier. There's no, like, have you seen it? You don't even know. All right. Anyway, let's talk about other social media platforms. Or other online professional networking. Which which should we do? Did we cover other social media? Yeah, I guess we kind of did. You and I don't use um, Facebook a lot. The talk that I gave on Friday that we started, I actually gave with um, uh, another academic here at FSU, Dr. Jenny Root. And she covered in our talk her use. She uses Facebook quite well to connect with professional associations and to connect with um, practitioners, with teachers. Oh, cool. Uh, and so she really likes it for that. And she doesn't use it. She has a professional t- Facebook account that's outside of her personal Facebook account. And so she uses it quite well to pro- to, to connect as well and to share um, information and to have conversations with people. So there are ways to use these other social media accounts. Um, uh, we just can't speak to that. No. <laughs> so Oh, and so similarly, like... Uh, t- Dr. Kelly Farquharson, who's also at Florida State yes. now, who uses her Instagram account just beautifully uh, to connect with the speech language pathologists who she works with um, and to talk about and disseminate her research It's and recruit participants for her research. It's absolutely fascinating. So I think we can probably link you to both of those accounts mm-hmm. in the show notes here yeah. so you can have a look and see how different ways people are doing yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. It's really impressive. So kind of outside social media then, you know, which is like the social side, there are other ways that academics are using the internets to do... <laughs> to networking Networking, things. yeah. So... I, well, and there are like created social media platforms for that. That's what you're talking about, right? Like academia.edu and the research gate. Yeah, I and... guess we struggled as to whether we would call that social media. I guess they are social media platforms, very niche ones, I guess. Yeah, sort of artificially created ones. Yeah, I, not artificially. That's not that's not fair. They were honestly created, but I mean they were created for this specific purpose. Yeah. So right, both academia.edu and ResearchGate, I think, are quite similar. Um, academia.edu was, I think, the first on the scene, but got bought up by Elsevier, and I think people are leaving it because of that. Mm. Um, there's been some a lot of criticism about academia.edu, so I think most people these days are using ResearchGate, um, mm. and it uh, it allows you to yeah follow other researchers. You can create opportunities for collaboration. So there's messaging, public and private messaging, where you can talk to people about their research. Um, the program itself uh, suggests connections with other researchers. Um, there is a blogging feature, I guess, to it that you could use. I don't know how much people are using. Um, and one of the primary reasons why ResearchGate or academia.edu exists is also to post your scholarship, right? So that people can, mm. so you can post um, the non-copyrighted version of your scholarship to these sites yeah. that people can find it and download it and it's all you know it's kind of like google scholar right so at the very if you've published a paper by the way you should have your google scholar account working you need to press I, you know we didn't even start there but i think before we talk about anything that is exactly what i said in the my most recent meetings were was whatever you do start a google scholar account it will take you 10 minutes you don't ever have to touch it again if you don't want to mm-hmm. it is it is wonderful it's really wonderful yeah, so have google's have brilliant google scholar working no matter what um but google scholar lists your papers that you've published that they found by their amazing search algorithm and your name 
but mm-hmm. uh, you usually can click on it, and oftentimes it takes them to it takes a like a, a a user to the paywalled version of your work. And you know, if somebody wah, doesn't wah, have, wah. yeah, if they don't have access to the work, now there are ways around it, right? You can hit the like different versions, and sometimes you can find the open access version if you hit that like version button on Google Scholar, but it's harder. So I think that's why people then use something like ResearchGate, which is similar to Google Scholar, that it, it you know it has your name and where you are, and then it lists all of your scholarship. But then within each of your, um, you know, your publications, you can have um, an open access version of your paper listed that people can can talk to you about. They can get copies of it easily mm-hmm. and otherwise connect. It is really nice. I I use it. I'd lo- One of the things I do is every once in a while that you know, they email all the time. That's one of the reasons I know what that other Jessica Logan's up to. Oh. She keeps getting <laughs> cited by... <laughs> Henry Rodiger. <laughs> so I know why. Uh, but the, so I'll go on I don't, once every couple of months, I think, and just sort of check and see if anybody's asked for full text versions of things and send them. Um, that's, but I don't do it very often. And it's not a very interactive platform for me. Yeah, I guess it's supposed to be, can. but I don't know how much people are, though. Yeah, I know. It's hard for It's yeah, I mean, it's hard for us to speak to. Um, I I did realize, sorry, I'm going to back us up because I realized we didn't talk about two or three social media platforms, which are sort of transitioned into this online professional network thing. Okay. One of them is LinkedIn. So I don't have a LinkedIn page myself, but I was recently talking to an NSF program officer who said, they're not called program officers, I'm sorry, an NSF, whatever a program officer is called there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, NSF program officer people. I can't remember your titles. Um, that they were saying that the way, one of the main ways they find reviewers for grants is they look on LinkedIn. That that's one of the ways they search for people to review grants for them. And they said, please, 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 please make a LinkedIn page. It will make our lives so much easier. I had no idea. I have not heeded those words yet, but I, it seems like a way to make a, profile you can totally do that huh so that exists yeah there you go and if you would like to review grants for the nsf or if you're a phd student you know and thinking about leaving academia after your job like that you know you're going to want to definitely have a linkedin profile that's where the business world is all you know uh you Mm -hmm. know and that's like the queen of the social medias for the business world so make sure that you are on uh yes and I think if you if if that is something that is your that is your goal, you should definitely be talking to someone who has some expertise in LinkedIn. And we are not those people. No, I've never had an account, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> me either. <laughs> not at all. Um, the other one we didn't mention is Reddit, which I'm not on either, but is very is a very interactive platform. I haven't seen it used very much for science, but I, I think it could be. Yeah. Um, and the last one I have here is, as you have made aware most recently, the Twitch network, which is not really a network necessarily, but it's a platform. A platform, yeah. A few weeks ago, I was um, live streamed a Twitch session where I talked about my science and answered questions um, from people watching me play Super Mario Brothers on Twitch. So Twitch people, <laughs> is it solely just for video games? Do I have that correct? I don't know if it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> should, have, should have done our background research before we hit, hit record. No, I just remembered. I just remembered that you, you just did this because yeah. I logged in and watched for a little while. Yeah. So uh, I think it's fun. mostly you can watch other people play video games. And it's, I you know, even saying it out loud, people are probably like, what? But it's like a thing. Yeah. <laughs> that people are doing and it's almost trance like it 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 keeps your visual attention while you're listening but it's moving enough visually so that you know that you can kind of zone out and listen at the same time I don't it's very bizarre how it works but it does and so yeah for three hours I played Super Mario Brothers and answered questions um on uh there's a somebody here locally that I've been working with for years doing a volunteering called ask a scientist. And we would go to this big community event that happens monthly and do it at a booth. And so he moved over to Twitch. Uh, Cause he's like, that's where people are. And you, some, 
So we had, I think at the height, 120 people uh, were watching <gasps> me play Super Mario Brothers um, at, while I was doing it live. And they've had over like thousands of people now have watched the recording of it on YouTube now. Oh my gosh! So like way bigger. That's amazing. Than I probably had before, um, like live answering questions like that. So it was really cool. So it might be a way that you. Uh, oh my you, gosh! You know, if you like uh, science communication or outreach or translating your work. Uh, you might take a look at Twitch um, as a mechanism for doing that, especially if you like video games as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Similarly, we did it. Original Mario Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> um, another one that came up, I think you were thinking about online networks. We talked about academia.edu and ResearchGate, but it seems like mm-hmm. OSF now is becoming a bit of an online networking site as well. I. Um, mm-hmm. That is linking all of your labs, preprints and data, like links to data and uh, materials um, and uh, project registrations. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I keep a lab OSF site where I post all of our pre registrations that we have at various places. OSF really, it is a wiki, right? So wikis are so cool, just totally open. Uh, yeah, internet sites uh, that you can make them what you want them to be. And so you can make OSF be what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. So that's another way that... You can't. You can. And I haven't seen... I haven't used it in a social way, but I, I think you can comment on people's things and you can give, like, ratings and say, like, I endorse this work. And you can, you know, chat back and forth on... on like in comments um i haven't used it in that way but i think it technically could be done yeah so it seems like i mean i i like the idea of using it for the lab that's that's really cool um that's a neat idea we have they do encourage you to make projects and things like that on there so that's that's really neat Mm -hmm. yeah gosh there's so much this is the this is the thing is it can be so overwhelming i completely understand how if you are just walking in if you've like avoided all social media and all online networking and now are sort of like thinking about joining how it can be so completely overwhelming i mean we clearly have a favorite way to start yeah but what i was uh, about which is probably twitter, twitter but i was about to ask you okay with that in mind if it being it is very overwhelming and you know maybe not a lot of yeah not a lot of uh people want it all not everybody is comfortable with the internet not everybody wants to make the time for the internet uh sure so what what are our recommendations of what you need to have i know I know what mine are. I, number one is Google Scholar. Yeah. I think no question. Check it. it. It has completely replaced any other tracking that I have done from for papers that have been published. Mm-hmm. Google Scholar. That's that's first. Second, uh, I don't know. What do you think is second? My second one is a website. <gasps> Is it? I think everybody, if you are listening to this podcast, I don't care what level you're at, you should have a website. It it can be nothing more than your name, your email address, and uh, a couple sentences of your research interests or your teaching interests or, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, if you're feeling fancy, an uploaded version of your CV, but that you'd have to check often. So if you don't want to do that, fine but a way to find you and contact you. The one of the things that I don't like about Google Scholar is that they hide the email address. It's hard to find the email address on the Google Scholar profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so yeah. that's why I think you need to have a website. And it's in your control, mm-hmm. uh, which this is the last section here is our, our website section. So I, what I like about having your own website that's in your control is that, so like, sorry, let me back up here. At Ohio State, there is a landing page for me. Like I have an academic page where it talks about my research interests. In order for them to change that, it's like a whole ordeal. Yeah, They have to like go through two different people in order to change any of the text on that website. And I'm never exactly sure who those people are, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe they one of them left. And now who are you supposed to email? I don't know anymore. So 
it's just impossible. It, it feels impossible to me. It's too many obstacles for me to keep that updated. But so that's that's one of the reasons that I started my my own website was because I wanted to be able to update it more more frequently. Mm-hmm. And there's then so once every five years when they go, oh, your name spelled wrong on here <laughs> <laughs> or something. I know. Every, you, Somebody you, tell me how to fix this. You might go to the my you know Florida State Psychology Department website and you'll see a picture and you might laugh at the picture for how young I look. Um, but know <laughs> that I have tried to re- have that picture replaced multiple times, and that just oh god, it's miserable. Never ha- or you know what's happened too? I don't know how this happens. Hmm. I've gotten it replaced, and then some refresh of the website later, my old picture goes back on it. So I've given up. That's what happened last time. Yeah. I'm like, forget it. This is the picture. It's me like 10 years ago. It's a vastly different haircut (gasps) than I have now. And this is the way it is. Oh, my gosh. Your bangs. That makes me sad. Your bangs are lovely. Yes, I don't have the bangs. Got to get them back on the website. So make your own website. There's so many easy-to-use, point-and-click, free um, website makers out there. I mm-hmm. love to use Weebly. That's what I use. WordPress, you may have heard of it for back in the day with blogging, but now they've really become something make- bigger. It's not just a blogging uh, website maker. It really is a broader website maker. Um, now mm-hmm. there's an R package that will make a website for you and we'll link to um, a blog that talks about how you can very easily use R to make a pretty fancy website. Um, oh yeah, it was great. And you, you know what? Do you, I tried this, and let me tell you how awesome it was. Because the person who wrote this blog, I then was live tweeting myself as I was trying to work my way through the tutorial, and I was able to say, "I'm confused about this step." And you know what happened? He said, "Try putting a parentheses here," and then it worked. It was amazing. So he's just like, "This is an." Oh, I might love Twitter a lot. Yeah. Okay. So we said Google Scholar in a website, and then next, and Twitter. And if you do anything else, good for you. But if you do just those three things, then I think you'll be good. Yeah, try it out. And then you're you're welcome to DM us on Twitter and be mad at us when you've spent, you know, two or three hours a day on there. And then you're mad because your (laughs) life got sucked away. I I think the benefits have outweighed the costs tremendously so far they have for me professionally so far um the oh Mm -hmm. i mean that's where i find out about new papers that's where people are talking about their new papers that they're publishing you know that's that's how i keep up with papers now um what i do especially now that we're not going to freaking conferences yeah so now that uh, we don't have conferences anymore it's like really the only cutting edge work that's out there yeah I just a little pro tip. I know that there is a bookmark function now. I still prefer you can send a tweet to yourself over DM. You can DM yourself. And that's how I keep track of papers that I want to read um, is that mm-hmm. way. Or like random recipes that I see. Or, you know. <laughs> if you're my, my most frequent DM is DMs to myself. And it's a rich list of interesting things that I, I have found on Twitter. Um <laughs> Yeah, I just got Catherine Hepburn's brownie recipe that way. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's what we think about. Have, you know, if if you are not online in some sort of way, if you are a graduate student, know that mm. it is incredibly difficult to find graduate students online. Most departments yes. barely put any information about their graduate students on the internet. If you're lucky... You're- Given how hard it is to just change your daggum headshots. Yes. So they, you know, if you're lucky, your name is listed on the website, but likely your email is not. And then people don't know how to find you. And mm-hmm. so, you know, get your name and your email easily findable. That's how you get opportunities. And so, and then why we like Twitter is we think then it, it, it smashes the hierarchy of academia and it, it like blows open your networking possibilities. So absolutely. In so many ways, in so many ways. So yeah, those are the, those are the three steps. I like it. And I think they're, they're in order from least to most time investment. Yes. Yeah. Google Scholar, it really will take you less than 10 minutes to get that set up. And you don't even have to ever look at it again if you don't want to. Um, and a website, you can update every six months if you want and no or less, as long as it's the right email address. And mm-hmm. uh, Or as often as you update your CV, 
yet. I know, I tr- know if you've talked about this, but that yeah, if you if you are a regular CV updater, maybe you update your CV on the first of the month, something like that. Whenever you do that, to check in and check on your on your website and update if you have a new paper out or if you have a new something, you can update your website at the same time. Now we talked about how bad we are at celebrating uh, papers on previous podcasts or celebrating things. I will say yes. the the small celebration I give myself whenever a paper is accepted is I immediately open my CV and add it to my CV. That's my little celebratory. <laughs> I don't know what just looking at but it, when, looking at the words. It, is it the oh, word accepted? Like the final, or final, email. or like final accept email? Okay, like in a minute you're going to get page proofs, kind of accept email. Yeah, they're like, this has been accepted. I immediate first thing, before I even forward to co-authors, I open my CV <laughs> and I put it on my CV. <laughs> so maybe part of your celebration is then opening up your website and putting that paper on your website. And add it right there mm-hmm. to the top of your website. Well, I will have to look. Um, did you link, do you link to your website from the Within and Between website? No. I don't actually know. I don't think you do. No, I don't think so. So maybe we'll link to our own websites because we, I think we've made some, we've made different choices on our websites. And um, as you're thinking about making one, I think watch this video uh, or or read this blog that, that Sarah suggested if you would like to look there. And then also look at other people whose websites, like other scholars to figure out what kind of website you yeah maybe we'll connect uh in the show notes uh one of the students who i gave this talk to yesterday um she went on twitter and said it's time for me to finally make a website and can people give me examples and so all kinds of people have been responding and putting their websites down so i'll link to that oh yeah and website so list okay get get on the internet have fun y'all hopefully come say hi to us on twitter if you decide to join <laughs> Uh, yes please and uh yeah i think that's the end of our web presence podcast thanks for joining us see you online see ya thanks for listening to this episode of within and between for information about this and all our episodes you can visit our website within and between connect with us on twitter at within underscore between, where you can send us questions about developmental science and developmental science See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>